Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on Talking Independence. I'm your host, Evelyn Santoro, and today we have a great episode lined up. Joining me today is Rod Little. Rod is a former co-chair and director of the National Congress of Australia's First Peoples and chairperson of the ACT Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elected body. He has held senior leadership positions in many other social areas, including justice, education, and employment. Rod has extensive advocacy and employment experience and is passionate and committed to improving the capabilities of communities and families. Thanks so much for your time today, Rod. Thanks very much, Evelyn, for this opportunity. Tell us a bit, of, uh, a bit about your advocacy work and what drives your commitment. Uh, my advocacy work has been, uh, you know, across national, international and regional things about the rights and interests of First Nations people around Australia, but also around the world. And that was always been a passion of mine. And it's something that I recall a my father saying, you know, do the best you can for your people and your family. Mm -hmm. and, and that is, you know, and that includes communities. So that's really where it started. And, and I, I moved to Canberra in the mid-90s, uh, I think. Yep, yep, mid-90s. And I was humbled and appreciative that the community here in Canberra elected me to a position with the elected body and you know from that I felt that you know that's pretty special being um, recognized by a community that I haven't lived here very long mm -hmm. to represent their interests and their rights and that was that was really really good and then that escalated up to the National Congress of Australia's First Peoples which was amazing to be recognized and sought to represent interests and rights um, from your peers, which That's is right. which is fantastic. Yeah. And so you came from WA to Canberra in the mid nineties. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Right. Yeah. And uh, would you tell us a little bit about your peoples and and your influences? Yeah, my my peoples. I'm Will and you from the um, Yamaji Nations and Wajak from the Nyungar Nations around mm -hmm. Perth and Will and you from around the Geraldton areas, and. Um, you know, that, that is really on my father's side uh, up around Geraldton and my dad's side around, uh, my mum's side, sorry, around um, Perth, um, mm -hmm. Swan River. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of history there that um, obviously hasn't really been good for about our people uh, and it also hasn't been a, a really personal experience from the uh, past policies have taken children, children away, which has affected me, uh, my children, uh, my mother, my grandmother. <laughs> so it's been around for a while. And, mm. um, and so the rights and interests of our people has been something that has been critical and, you know, so important for me. And um, so that, that's one of the real drivers they have their ups and downs along the way, obviously, with anything. Um, our societies are not all the same, and they don't all have the same views and the same aspirations, but uh, they do want always to have a much better life than what they do have now. Mm. And, you know, in terms of 
having a, a better life or better opportunities and um, coming at it from a view that we, we should all have a more level playing field. What do you think becoming a republic can mean for First Nations Australians? Well, I think it, it creates an opportunity to be at the table as early as possible mm -hmm. to be a part of the conversation. Um, we know historically that didn't take place. Mm. And there's some, some historical events that are, uh, are still um, harmful and, you know, the trauma experienced by people and their, uh, their ancestors is, is something that is, um, takes a very, very long time to um, heal up. And, and I think, but this, this opportunity, and, and it might be for some, it might not be for others, as an opportunity to sit at the table and have those conversations. And I, I believe that we have, uh, you know, the fastest growing population in the country, mm. uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. And um, our young people are, you know, coming through now are the bright amongst the brightest in this country and i think you know not standing in the bright and and the intellect and intelligence of our past peoples as well uh, who are probably getting a bit older now but um it, it creates a i think it creates a a really good opportunity to have conversations about what might be beneficial what might need to be changed, learning from the current structure that we've got. Mm -hmm. And I've always felt that becoming a republic would highlight to all Australians and, and the world, really, that our history actually spans more than 60,000 years. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I guess at times I'm, I'm disappointed that uh, the rest of the nation and institutions don't value that, you know, and those institutions, I mean... Uh, you know, governments around the, around the country at all levels uh, don't recognise that and value that as much as, you, you know, you, you would expect, I would expect as a First Nations person. Mm. And, well, that's right, because usually it's uh, whenever some, someone speaks about Australia, it's, it's a young country, well, especially globally, it's a young country or um, our history begins with British settlement. And I think that once we're able to really come together, um, we can actually show each other as well as the world that we've been around for a long time. Yeah, and that's what I, that's what I mean about being proud. You know, I'm extremely proud of my history, mm -hmm. you know, uh, my ancestors, uh, you know, and, and, and I was only thinking that there is an interruption in that historical evolution of, um, you know, life and, and communities and societies. And you're absolutely right. There is a um, hand on heart and, and pride in, in history for non-Indigenous Australians from that point in time and I really appreciate and understand that pride but if you had the same pride in a history that's you know 60,000 years plus mm. um, then uh, that makes it enormous absolutely and any any, any first nations um, uh, peoples around the world will have that kind of history and um, 
it, it's 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 the start point, and then um, uh, the, the people in power that promote the start point of that country's history, and those influences are um, uh, those influences need to change. That that view needs to change. Mm. Would you say, well, this is a chance for us to start fresh, to be a more united country if we were in a republic model? I, I think it's an opportunity, as I said at the beginning, to explore and, and have those conversations, mm-hmm. knowing what's around and, and, you, and you learn from your experiences, absolutely. Um, you've got to have knowledge of the history um, and then together be very clear where we want to go into the future. And I think this is an opportunity to have those conversations and, and listen to people because many of our peoples are not necessarily had that opportunity to have those conversations. Um, even, you know, in recent times, uh, uh, go through around in the cycle to talk about uh, a voice and, um, you know, representation and all kinds of models come up and experiences have come up over the years. But at the end of the day, there is this, just this one framework um, of government at a federal level, but also at state and territory levels uh, and local government levels that have been around for a long time. Um, and they are getting a bit old and, you know, probably irrelevant in mm-hmm. some cases, mm-hmm. you know, I think. Um, yeah, so I think that it, it is a good opportunity to have a conversation. And and that's from my perspective. But I, I think that there are others that say, well, I don't know, are there any fears of, of, of changing the way Absolutely. that we do things and the way that we um, do our business in our country? Oh, and that makes sense. I mean, there, there can be that, um, I suppose, that anxiety around, well, if we do change is it going to be more of the same? For example, let's say in a not too distant future, Charles will assume as king, and and that's a given. Yeah. Um, from your perspective, what does that mean for First Nations people? Well, who knows? I mean, for, personally, I think it might be um, uh, same old, same old. You know, the rhetoric will stay as is. The majority will, uh, you know see the the state as being um, tied still to the, the monarch, you know, and I think um, and I think that's that's how people will be. That's their comfort zone. Mm. And if there's a, if there's a challenge or an opportunity to exercise a right to be able to do something different, then have a go. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very very sure that the sky won't fall in. well talking about that so we have a new model so we call it the australian choice model which proposes the australian people elect an australian head of state and what are your thoughts on that um i i think that's that's really good i mean if you think if you're thinking about how an election process you know an election process is from from first nations perspective um We've always had some form of order mm-hmm. in our societies. Uh, whether that fits into the psyche of, um, you know, European 
non-Indigenous, uh, you know, the Greek theory of democracy and mm. all the rest of it. Um, we've certainly been around for a much longer t- time than than um, thing, and we've had this form of order. Uh, and people are elected, people are nominated, they, they earn their their rights to be in, in, in roles of authority uh, and um, the processes for sitting down and discussing matters to, to resolve have always been in our societies. And so when we, when we move to uh, what, we, what we're known as, as a democratic system of electing and, and, and nominating people, there are some similarities with that. Um, uh, but, you know, sometimes there's a process that what has been learned from in more in the room, you know, I guess in the last two or three hundred years about how people get to a power position. Um, I think that's always going to be seemingly the, the most fairest way to do it. And, and we've seen other forms of um, governance and, and order around the world that um, we don't necessarily agree with, mm-hmm. and it doesn't match up with uh, what we're what we're calling today democracy. But I think that the the opportunity to um, explore a process that enables uh, fair opportunity and um, uh, and a right to participate in those processes would be really, really good. Absolutely. If you had to emphasise one thing to the supporters of a republic, whoever they are, what would that be? What would be that message? Um, inform yourself as much as you can about what is being proposed mm-hmm. and find the opportunity to have a conversation about that with those who are more involved with the process and the modelling. And so that there's... A much better understanding of what is being proposed, where do I see myself fitting into that model, and how can I contribute, mm-hmm. and how can I benefit? That's great. Thank, thanks so much for joining us, Rod. Uh, it was great having you on the podcast, and please join us again anytime you like because it's been fantastic having a chat to you. Uh, for our listeners, for all updates, you can visit the ARM website on republic.org.au. And uh, thanks again, Rod. Thank you, listeners, for being part of the conversation. Thank you very much, Emma.